Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes and not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. Solomon didn't back down from having difficult conversations with his son, especially when it came to managing his sexual integrity. Posing a rhetorical question, he compared sexual immorality to a fire that will burn you. Take the fire outside of the fireplace and it burns the house down every time. So does sex when it blazes outside of the marriage relationship for which God created it. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. God created sex for two reasons, recreation and reproduction, and for two people, a man and his wife. Hi, I'm Brian Davis, and you're listening to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Today, Ron takes us to the Old Testament book of Proverbs, both to remind us of God's design for sex and to warn us of the consequences of entering outside His will. It's all part of his continuing series, Why Sayings, Guidance for Everyday Life, and it comes your way next. Visit somethinggoodradio.org and listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, Making Wise Choices About Sex. We need to celebrate it within the context that God gave to us and give fair warning to all of us that we not lose our sexual integrity by spilling the pure water system and contaminating it uh, through sexual immorality. Uh, Sex is not only intended for procreation, but the Bible is clear here, it was intended for pleasure as well between a husband and a wife, and it's, it's exclusively their right to enjoy each other. Number four, sexual sin enslaves you. Solomon goes on to say in verse 21, for a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline and because of his great folly, he is led astray. They ensnare him. Sexual sin is addicting. A lot of studies out there that give, give testimony to this. And the Bible certainly tells us that uh, uh, sexual sin enslaves us. Uh, Romans chapter 6 and verse 16. Turn with me there for a moment. Romans 6 and verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. In other words, something is going to master you, either right choices or wrong choices. Whatever you give yourself to, whatever you present yourself to on a regular basis, that will become your master. 
And what he's saying in the context here is let, let Jesus and his righteousness master you. He will help you make right choices. If you continue to give yourself to sin, to say to sexual immorality, that sexual immorality will also master you. It will enslave you. In his letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 18, the Apostle Paul says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. I take this to mean there's something very unique about sexual sin. It's why it's, a, it's one of the hardest addictions to break for men and for women who are enslaved to Uh, immoral and illicit sexual things, whether it's pornography or the act itself. And we just need to be aware of this. You're you're, you're dancing in very dangerous places and may find yourself so enslaved to it you don't know how to get out of it. By the way, in verse 21, Solomon says, for a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord and he ponders all his paths. Just a reminder to his his young boys, you, you may think, this is all a secret and no, nobody sees your sexual immorality, the pornography you're looking at or whatever it might be. Maybe, maybe you have that relationship, you know, you've just kind of agreed to one another. We, we, we've got this just as a secret between us. Well, a secret sin on earth is an open scandal in heaven because the eyes of the Lord scan and sees all that we do. A man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all of his paths. Don't ever think that, you know, what what you've tucked away in a secret compartment over here is not open and on the big screens in heaven. God sees every bit of it, and eventually, eventually it comes out for all to see. Number five, sexual sin will burn you. Let's go to chapter 6, verse 27. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished, Solomon says to his sons. It's a great analogy here. Sex is like a fire. It's like a fire. Think of the fire you have in your home, in your fireplace, It's a a great thing on a really cold day like today to just strike up the fire. It's Valentine's Day. You snuggle up with your spouse, and uh, that fire in the fireplace is a wonderful thing. Or you got a fire, you know, in the stove in your kitchen. You can cook up a nice meal and share a meal together. But if you take that fire outside the context for which it was made, the fireplace, you take it outside that context, it'll burn your house down. And that's the idea with sex. Sex sex is something beautiful God created, but context is everything. It's made for the marriage relationship. You take it outside the context for which it was made, it will burn you every time. It'll scorch your soul. And that's why some of us walk around perhaps with shame and regret and painful memories and Yes, we, we, we know the forgiveness and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, but boy, the devil loves to replay those tapes. He loves to say to us, what, what are you doing sitting in church this morning? You know, no, you're just putting on a, a, a show here. I mean, you don't belong in that place. That's why I'm always quick to remind people that a place like Atlantic Shores is a safe place for broken people. 
and the devil and his whispering in our ears that we don't belong here because of this, that, or the other thing where we've messed up. Listen, just kick him right out the door, all right? But we do need to hear the wise counsel of Scripture. The sex is like a fire. We've got to keep it within the context for which it was made. Suppose you were building a home and it comes to that place in the building of your home where the mason guy comes in and he's, he's putting bricks and mortar up and he's building the fireplace. You wouldn't look at him and say, come on, man, get with the times. This is the 21st century. You're just spoiling all my fun. I love to play with fire. Ah, you wouldn't say that. He's doing a good thing by building a fireplace where you can put a warm fire to warm your house and snuggle up with your, your honey on Valentine's Day. And so it is when God gives us boundaries for our sexual behavior. Ten Commandments, the Seventh Commandment says, you shall not commit adultery. Again, adultery being the big, the big sin there, uh, the big category of sin, but we can list a you know, all the other categories or the other sins in that category, all the way down to lust, imagining the sexual possibilities with another person. And I know a lot of people say, oh, the Ten Commandments are just out out of step with the times. Come on, this is sex week on college campuses. Got to get with the times, and especially those thou shalt nots. They're just so negative. But I want you to think about something. Suppose you were sitting in your home and you're over here in the den somewhere and your child or your grandchild reaches up for a hot stove and you just see this kind of happening in slow motion. Well, what are you going to say to that child? You don't have time to rush over there. What are you going to say? You're going to say in whispered, hushed tones, now, honey, don't do that. No, you're going to shout at the top of your lungs, don't go there, hoping that the child reacts and jumps back because if you don't, they're going to put their hand on that hot burner and burn their hand, right? Well, that's how I understand the thou shalt nots in the Ten Commandments. There are certain things God knows that if we go there and cross those boundaries, we're going to get burned and sexual immorality is one of them. So as loudly as he can, he says, thou shalt not commit adultery because some of us are maybe that close to doing it. We're reaching for that hot stove. He knows we're going to get burned. The problem is we have largely silenced that moral conscience and that moral alarm system in our culture. And we've gone so far the the opposite direction of biblical norms, we don't hear the alarms going off anymore. But the Ten Commandments are meant to be loud uh, alarms and, and, and warning signals. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery, you know, and, and on and on and on to preserve us and to protect us because our Heavenly Father loves us just like a, a father or mother loves a child who might be reaching for that hot stove and says, don't go there, don't go there because it will burn you. It will burn you badly. We'll return to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones in just a moment. Now to listen to any of Ron's messages on demand, just stop by somethinggoodradio.org. 
While you're there, make sure you access the Something Good Digital Library, where you'll find more than 500 hours of video and audio teaching from Dr. Ron Jones. You can search the streaming library by scripture or topic and find answers to your Bible questions, and that'll help you grow in your Christian faith. Again, that's our Something Good Digital Library at somethinggoodradio.org. Some of life's greatest adventures take place on a road trip. Nothing is more enjoyable than traveling the open highway with the windows rolled down and the music turned up. Each town, each exit, an experience all its own. Hello friend, I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio, and today I'm inviting you to take a road trip with me. You see, I'm convinced that reading the Bible is the greatest literary adventure you can ever take. But with 66 books, two testaments, and more than 600,000 words, it can be a daunting journey to attempt. That's why I wrote my two-volume book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, where I give you a bird's-eye view of God's Word so you can clearly see how it all fits together. All 66 books of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. So pack your bags and join me on The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. You'll be glad you did. Here's Brian with details. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1 and 2 can be yours today by request for your gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to request the two-volume set and to gain immediate access to the Route 66 Digital Library. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Pastor Ron, not only did you break this project up into two volumes, but you created what you call eight different road trips, five in the Old Testament and three in the New. Help our listeners understand the motivation behind that literary structure. You know, Brian, categorizing the various books of the Bible into eight separate groups is nothing new. Uh, They include the books of the law, the Old Testament historical books, uh, the wisdom books, the major prophets, the minor prophets, Then we're into the Gospels and the early church, the Pauline epistles, and we finish up with the general epistles in Revelation. But when I first decided to compare the reading of God's Word to a travel adventure, well, it took me almost no time to come up with the phrase road trip to identify these eight sections of Scripture. Uh, What I believe the reader will begin to see a little more clearly is that the books of the law, for example, point to the person and work of Jesus Christ as much as the Gospels do. That's because the Bible is one story with one main character. His name is Jesus, and he is the Christ. My hope is that by experiencing the 66 books of the Bible as eight separate road trips, uh, this overarching theme will be easier to recognize and understand. Such a great idea, Pastor Ron. We're so glad you decided to share this important book with us. You can get your copy today by going to somethinggoodradio.org. Both volumes of this great resource are yours for a gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. 
Solomon likened sexual immorality to a fire. It may not burn you immediately, but it will burn you eventually. Here's Ron and the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Making Wise Choices About Sex. God created sex for the marriage-marriage relationship. I said it earlier, but I'll say it again. Context is everything. Enjoy it to your intoxicated, pleasurable delight within the context of marriage and be forewarned about the consequences outside of marriage. Number six, sexual sin is stealing. Verse 30 of chapter 6, people do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry, but if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. It's interesting in our culture today, many people say that, well, the, 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 the human sexual desire is kind of like our desire for food. And if you get hungry, yeah, go satisfy yourself. You know, go to the refrigerator, uh, eat anything you want to satisfy that hunger. You know, Snicker satisfies, right? You're not you until you gobble down a Snicker and satisfy yourself. And they apply that same logic to sex. Well, you do that, and, and you're going to end up in a very unhealthy place. If you just satisfy the hunger in your belly any old way and any old time you want, you're going to put on weight, you're not going to be healthy, you're going to eat a bunch of junk food. Same is true with our, our sexual desires. There's a time and a place to satisfy those. And in fact, if we take it out, the co- out of the context for which it was created, the marriage relationship, we not only you know, pollute the, the pure drinking system, as Solomon says, we not only burn ourselves, but satisfaction goes down. Satisfaction goes down. And God knows this. And so again, he, he, he doesn't put boundaries around our sexual behavior to, to spoil our fun. No, he wants to increase the pleasure and uh, keep us from experiencing pain. He wants to preserve us and to protect us. Now Solomon uses the analogy of a thief here, and he does it very intentionally because sexual immorality is stealing. Um, it's somebody else's daughter or son. It's somebody else's future husband or wife or present husband and wife and doesn't belong to you. It's interesting in the Bible, to believers, Paul writes, I think in his letter to the Corinthians, your body is not your own. It was bought with the price. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And all this garbage in our culture today about how it's a woman's choice or it's a man's choice or, you know, because, well, what did the, uh, uh, the, the college students say at the University of Utah? The goal is for everybody to exercise their complete autonomy. No, your body and my body, it doesn't, doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. I'm just renting this facility and he's the owner, and the Holy Spirit dwells here. And in the marriage relationship, the Bible is clear that the wife's body belongs to the husband, and the husband's body belongs to the wife. There's a mutual duty to satisfy there. So that, that, that runs so contrary to this, this, this idea of complete autonomy in our culture today. It runs contrary to the biblical standard uh, that we find in Scripture. Scripture. 
I know a message like this hits people in a lot of different places, and I, I, I just want to end reminding us all of a story in the Gospels. Um, there were a group of, oh, kind of persnickety, uppity religious people, they called them Pharisees, who caught a woman in the very act of adultery. They must have been kind of watching her because they knew the time and the place they went into her home. Boom, there she was right in the act. They drug her out into the streets. They threw her down in public shame in front of everybody and then brought Jesus in and said, what are you going to do? Remember the story? Bible says Jesus kneeled down, didn't say anything, just kneeled down and he with his finger started writing something in, in the dirt. We don't, we don't know what he wrote. There's speculation that he might have written the Ten Commandments. What we do know is that he didn't speak anything to the Pharisees, but you did hear the sound of one by one the rocks they were holding in their hands, the stones that they were going to throw at her dropping to the ground. Thud, thud, thud. And the shuffling of sandals in the dirt as they walked away. Eventually, all of her accusers were gone, and Jesus turns to her and says, where are your accusers? And he says these gracious words to her, neither do I condemn you. But he didn't stop there. He also told her, go and sin no more. And that's a beautiful illustration of what the gospel writers say about Jesus, that he was full of grace and truth at the same time. Think of it like a teeter-totter. Grace on one side, truth on the other. Too much grace, you know, leads to, you know, what we used to call sloppy agape. You know, we just, we just love everybody, just love everybody. Too much truth and not enough grace is like a hard hammer. That was the Pharisees, just hammering people. Perfect balance of grace and truth, that is Jesus Christ. And that's the balance I desire as a pastor here at Atlantic Shores. Again, safe place for broken people. There's not one of us that has a, a perfect scorecard when it comes to sexual integrity. <laughs> okay, remember lust, just imagining. Not a one of us that has a perfect scorecard. But God's grace is sufficient. Sexual in, lack of sexual integrity is not the unpardonable sin. But if it's got you by the scruff of your neck and it's pulling you here and pulling you there and you can't seem to get free, just know greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And at the cross, you're going to find cleansing and forgiveness and a Jesus who is still full of grace and truth. The Bible says to believers in Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is no condemnation, no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Are you in Christ today? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? Are, are you in the family of God? Have you been born again and born anew into the family of God? If not, today is a great day to do that. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. But that same Jesus who is full of grace is also full of the kind of truth that says, go and sin no more. If you're in an immoral relationship today on the authority of this scripture and as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell you to stop it today for your own good, for your own good, for all the reasons we talked about. Go and sin no more, and from this day forward, walk in sexual integrity 
by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, Making Wise Choices About Sex. Remember, all of Ron's messages can be heard on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, the Bible can be divided into two categories, descriptive passages, which are biographical in nature, and prescriptive passages, which are instructive in nature. And if you want some practical instruction about how to live life God's way while you're here, the book of Proverbs is the best place to start. That's where Ron takes you in the teaching series you're hearing now, Wise Sayings, Guidance for Everyday Life. Look for it online at somethinggoodradio.org. That's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares part three of his message, Making Wise Choices About Sex. I want to lay out for you, as Solomon does for his son, the steps toward seduction. I primarily want to spend my time, though, this morning talking about ways to avoid sexual seduction in a society like ours that is saturated with it everywhere you go. How do you protect your sexual integrity? That's where we're going to end up today. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.